If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 3. Tell you something, over the last six years, this chapter, chapter 1 and 2 of 1 Samuel has pulled me and Bethany through some tough spots. So, waiting on our promise. So, it's been a great book to us. And it says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he did not let any of his words fall to the ground. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was proven to be a prophet of the Lord. Go back to 19. We'll read it one more time. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And look at this. He did not let any of his words, whose words? The Lord's words, fall to the ground. Father, we thank you for your wonderful presence we feel. We thank you for your people, everybody we see here today. God, we love you. God, it's your anointing that makes the difference. We pray for your anointing to be here, to set free and to restore. But God, encourage your people today that you're with them. We love you so much, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen. I want to talk to you today about your ears. I want to talk to you today about hearing what God has for you to hear. I think that you think about how many sermons that most of us that live in the South, and there's churches on every corner around here, how many things we've heard just from sermons. And then let's talk about how many things we've heard that we've read in the Word of God, and we've seen it, and maybe it's challenged us. But I want to challenge you today to not make sure that every time Jesus showed up in the book of Revelation, and he said it other times, he said, let him that has ears to hear... Let him hear what the Spirit would say to the people. Now, to me, when you just break that down and you're not churchy with it, you're going, he's talking to an audience that all has ears. (laughs) Right? That would be like, let you that have noses smell the turkey and dressing. Well, that's a little redundant. We've all got noses. You see what I'm saying? And so you're like, what is he meaning when he says, "Let it? listen, it's that we can come in week in and week out and we can hear the word of God. What a privilege it is to hear the divine spoken and the written word of God. And if we're not careful, we can hear it so much that we actually disvalue it or as the Bible says, it becomes dull to us. Right? Sometimes I have this ability, Bethany will tell you, that if ESPN is on and she's talking to me, her voice becomes dull as the, Holy, as the Word of God says. And about halfway through the conversation, I realize that she's telling me important information. Right? I know. None of y'all do that. That's okay. Y'all got perfect marriages and it's great. Y'all just live there looking all pious. But I think we do that to God. I think for real that we get so busy with what we're doing now and our lives and what we've got going on. He tries to speak to us. He tries to warn us. He tries to talk to us. Why? Not because he's trying to keep us from stuff, but because he wants to bless us. Because he does want to keep us from some stuff that will destroy us. And if we're not careful, we will train our ears to pick and choose what we like and we will ignore what we don't like. It's so easy. We got those cell phones in our hands. They're loud. Listen, I was Googling just over Thanksgiving, which is funny. I was using my phone as I'm preaching about it. I was Googling over Thanksgiving. 
how to get free from cell phone addiction. I just wanted to see if it was a cell phone addiction thing. I just wanted to see if that was a thing. I was thinking about the sermon. It's a thing. There are quadrillion YouTube videos of PhD people that think they're awesome at life telling you how to become unaddicted to your cell phone. Now, some of it's probably for money. I get it. But there's no way that there's that many articles and videos out there that to tell me there really is a problem. They actually show you this one lady said, do this experiment. Try to not look at your phone after you've looked at it for about 10 seconds. Put it away from you and see what your instinct is. I'm only going to look at it for just a second. Now we've scrolled Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We've got Pinterest going. And some of y'all are like, this is, I'm not in that bracket. That's fine. I get it. But there's a lot of people that are. It's an addiction. And it goes into all this stuff about how it releases dopamine and how the worst thing in the world you could do is in the, very, in the first part of your morning is to look at your cell phone. It's actually the worst thing you can do. I was reading that and I was like, man, I don't even wear a watch anymore because I, why would I buy a watch? I got one in my pocket. It's becoming, you see what I'm saying? Listen, I, I think the other thing is sometimes people see the Word of God as something that's primitive, but man, it's, it's sharp and alive for today. That's, that Word is, will jump off the page at you. I'm amazed at how many situations I've found myself in over the 17 years just here that I didn't have an answer, and I read a story that I've read 400,000 times, but all of a sudden in that story, there's a detail that applies right to my situation, and it becomes alive, and it shows me, listen, it's there. I don't think the problem is God. I think the problem is our ears. I think he's talking. He's guiding us. Look at Isaiah 30, 21. Brother Tim, you were right. I was nervous before I got up here, and he said, you're going to get up here, and the anointing's going to change it. He says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left hand, I love this verse. It tells me, keep it up for a second. It tells me if you're a child of God and you are born again believer, that there is a voice of the Holy Spirit of your Father who is leading you and He is guiding you. And when you want to take a step right, He says, no, stay the course. And when you want to take a left, He says, no, stay the course. And then when you get to that spot and you can't know which way to go, He says, now take a right. Walk this way. Act this way. Respond this way. Oh, come on. You responded this way. I need you to respond this way. This is the word of the Lord. you got to love your enemies. You don't have to tolerate them. you got to love them. Oh, we don't like that voice. We like the voice that says we're blessed in the city and we're blessed coming in and we're blessed going out. Oh, we're the head and not the tail. That covenant doesn't apply to you if you're not obeying. Every time I hear that set of scriptures preached, I want to reach around and make sure my wallet's in my back pocket. It's got a sleazy connotation now because of men. We are blessed. We're blessed to the place that most of this world right now are in fear because they're not sure what the next step is. 
They don't have peace that passes understanding. I've got peace that even when it don't make sense and God says, step, if I step, it'll work. You ought to try to preach to the same amount of people. I don't know how he did it his whole life. They've heard all your stories. They know what you're going to say. And they want something new and fresh that will tingle their ears. They want some new revelation. Not y'all. I'm saying they. It's in America. It says in the last days they're going to put teachers and pull. Whose fault is it? Is it the teacher? No, read it. The congregation, they want somebody. Give us smooth things. Tickle my ear. There you go. There's your problem. I want a teacher that will tell me you're okay in your sin and you've got it in your sin. You don't really need the cross. Just be a good moral person and you can just man up and do it and just look in the mirror and tell yourself you're going to make it and positive vibes and all this garbage that's coming out of the house of God. Why did he go to the cross if I could do it? He went to the cross so he can speak to us. Those that hear these sayings of mine and do them. Hello? If we're not careful, we're like, yeah, it's another sermon. We sang today, oh yeah, it's just the blood of Jesus. It's just the blood. Yeah, thank you for the blood, Lord. Now I got to get back. I got stuff to do today. Thank you for the blood, though. I don't think we, if we, if we weren't in program mode, you couldn't sing that song enough. There would be no sermon today. There would be a line of people right here with their hands up saying, oh, if it wasn't for the blood that in my sin, even then he shed his blood for me. And it means something. But if we've become dull of hearing. Go to Matthew. I got one other scripture other than this. Actually two, so I lied. Matthew. It's Matthew 13, 10 through 13. And the disciples came in and said unto him, Why speak you unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever has... To him shall it be given, and him have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that he has. Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they seeing not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive." For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Listen, and they've closed their eyes. I'm telling you, we're there. Jesus had a whole crowd and he gives a parable about sowing seed. And the disciples come to him and say, why do you not just tell us what you mean? Why do you not just, why do you have to use these illustrations? And he said, look, they don't want to hear it. They want the free meal. That's the same crowd, you can put that down, that's following him for the free meal. They don't want to hear, they're not in it to obey. They're in it for what they can get from God. And if we're not careful, every one of us can find ourselves in a place. We don't want instruction because, by the way, the word of God is for instruction in righteousness. 
It's not to be beat or hammered on. It's to be instructed and encouraged to keep serving him and to keep going. And if we're not careful, we'll start coming to God as Santa Claus. He's not Santa Claus. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's everything we need. There's no Santa Claus in God. He is God. And he said, I just talked to him in parables so that the prophecies can be fulfilled. Even if I broke it down to him, they won't, under, they won't do it. They're here because I turned two different time, a couple of fish and bread to a full meal. They're here for the meal. Oh, he proves it to them a little later. He turns around to that same crowd that was following him and says, Oh, I forgot something. To come to me, you got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood. Mm-hmm. And they walked away from him, never to walk with him again. He exposed them. You're not in it to win it. You're in it for the free happy meal. You're in it for the fish sandwich. That's all you're in it for. And I'm telling you, we have to be careful in the house of God that we're not just here for the blessings of God. We're here to please God, but also to listen and to be instructed and to be conformed into the very image of his son. When he corrects us, he is correcting us and growing us so that we can be made like Christ. He wants every person in this room to be a Christ representative everywhere they go. How do you know that? Because he went to a bunch of fishermen and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He went to the lawyers and said, follow me and you'll be the lawyer of men. Anything we are doing in our careers and our activities and the abilities he's given us, he wants us to be that. He talked to the fishermen to be fishers of men. He's talking to the salesmen in here to be salesmen of men. He's talking to the administrative assistants to be the administration assistants of men. It's all about his kingdom. It's all about listening to him. I think people would be so in love with Jesus if they would actually just say, God, help me to start listening again. Because he would say little things. You would think the devil's got you convinced he's going to beat you down. And he would say things to you like, hey, buy their lunch today. Just walk in with the lunch. And then he'd be like, whoa, why did they start crying? Yeah, because you don't know they couldn't pay the bills. And you didn't know that they had said, God, how are we going to eat? Oh, yeah, we want those big spiritual deep things. We want it where we could put it on a billboard, what we did. That's why I'm telling you, I've been so frustrated lately why God won't heal people in this altar like he used to. And I can't tell you how many times the answer comes back is the people aren't ready. If God healed somebody, we'd be posting all over Facebook, whoever laid their hand on him now is the hero. No, we would never do that. Oh, we would do that. Come to Evangel. Our pastor, Jerry, lays hands on the sick, and they recover. They did it to Peter. And Peter said, why are you looking on us like it was our righteousness that this man was healed? This man was healed by the power of Jesus Christ. If we'll start listening, he'll start telling us, I need your flesh. I need you to put your flesh on the cross. I'll give you the strength. And when I begin to work on you and get deep in you, don't come off the cross. Let me keep you there till you're dead. You'll have to find you have a whole new set of desires. 
don't know what I would do if he didn't speak to me. I love his correction, Brother Hank. I used to not like it. It means now he's invested in me. God, correct us. If you want to go to how dull are your ears, I said this one time in a conference, and I was blown away by what the Holy Spirit did. It was You could see it on people's faces. I said, well, what lets us know we're sons and not bastards is that we're corrected. And I said, when's the last time the Holy Spirit corrected you? You could tell it hit everybody like, oh, wow. I'm bobbly. I quote Jeremiah 29, 11. Great. When's the last time he corrected you? Come on. Well, I, I, I don't know. That scripture tells me you're not a son. It tells me you've been birthed into church through something other than relationship. Whether it be spotlights or smoke machines or atmosphere, you've been birthed into church, but you've never been born again. Because if you're born again, his voice will correct you. He will remind you of things he told you before that you forgot. Come on. Who I love, I correct. I chasten. And that doesn't mean beat with a hammer. It means train. Me and JT started working out about four weeks ago. Let me tell you something. That second, that second workout... It's a long road from Krispy Kreme to, in the, to barbells. I was so sore. I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to do this. I promised Bethany that I'm going to live a long life and be in health. Now that we've got a baby on the way. So I'm, I'm three weeks now and I'm enjoying it. But the first time I didn't enjoy it. The second time I really didn't enjoy it. The third time I didn't even know why I was there. I couldn't even hardly move anything. I was like, my nose hurts. And I didn't even work out my nose. If you read Paul, that's why I love Paul and, and what the Holy Spirit does. He uses things we all understand. He talks about training yourself to be void of offense. You can't offend me because I've trained myself. Oh, the first time they did it. I wanted to hit him in the nose. But I kept yielding to his voice. And I kept hearing him talk about, oh, but I didn't hit you in the nose when I should have. Oh, I blessed you when you cursed me. Oh, I was good to you in your worst. And all of a sudden you get to training. And you get to training. And the next thing you know is it happens and instead of getting mad, you find the nature of Christ in you and you turn this cheek and say, ah, if they hit this one, I got another one. Oh yeah, see, you want to talk about dull hearing? Feel the audience right now. <laughs> My degree is in communication. They call this immediacy. I call it anointing, but you can feel your audience. They're, they're giving you that feeling. Would you please move on? Get off offenses. I liked it when you were talking about all the other stuff. No, he wants to talk to you. 
If you're sitting in a pew today and the Holy Spirit hasn't dealt with you about something, then I, you need to come down to this altar today and you need to find him. You need to say, Lord, come in. I was telling, I was telling Brother Frost yesterday, I said, I've seen stuff that just, I used to be all, I don't know how my parents dealt with me when I first got saved. I was so self-righteous. I didn't do anything. I thought sneezing was a sin. And I think the church world's gone too far. I do. But I was so messed up in my theology of how God had to work. Instead of just listening to him, I was telling him, I saw a guy in a service take a dip out of his mouth, throw it in the garbage can, reach up his hands and say, Lord, I want you. He not only began to get saved and tears flowed in his eyes, the heaven language began to flow out of his heart. I watched him open the window to, that overlooked a, a thing, a, a river, and take his can of skull and crow hop and fling it out there. Oh, now listen, some people are like, no, I don't know about all that. He had dip in his mouth. God wrecked me. God showed me, you need to listen to me. I'm in the saving business. He didn't confess that Jesus was Lord. He didn't go through the Roman roads. He said, Lord, I need you. And Jesus wanted him more than he wanted Jesus. And he came in and began to change him. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the Lord to speak to us again. And we need to say, Lord, I need you again. I need your voice again. I need you to correct me again. I need you to show me doctrinally where I am. I don't debate people. I had a lady tell me I wasn't saved because I wasn't baptized in the name of a disciple. No, you got to be baptized in the name of the disciple. And I was like, what? And you, you have to be baptized in water before you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I said, well, Acts 10 and Cornelius' house has a whole big problem there. They received the Holy Ghost and then they got baptized. You know what he'll do? He'll take our traditions and he'll speak to us and say, you're wrong there. You're wrong. Now, I wish she would have said she was wrong. <laughs> now I'm old. I don't even argue. Okay, I'm not saved. I know I'm saved. You know what I'm saying? He'll talk to you about, listen, our pride gets us in so much trouble. There's some people that everywhere they go to work, they're like, I just can't get along with anybody. It's always my coworkers. Unplug your ear a little bit. It might be you. Yes. Nobody will. I can't get along with anybody. Everybody's just crazy. Hmm. I mean, I agree with you. They are. Because we all are. <laughs> Consult, I'm completely agree with that 100%. We all are to an extent of crazy. But maybe you need to unplug your ear. Maybe he'll tell you how to handle your work. I don't know why I'm here, but I feel like I need to be. Maybe he'll talk to you. I know people that as soon as you meet them, the first thing they do is talk about their self, and all they talk about is their self. If they would listen to the Lord, you don't make friends that way. I don't go around looking at people and say, hey, my Thanksgiving was awesome. It was amazing. I had dressing. No, you ask them, how was your Thanksgiving? And you actually care. You know, he teaches you little things that aren't on the script. These are the life things. 
He teaches you how to interact with people. He talks to us. Okay. Last one. I want you to see one last thing. Have I told y'all today I love y'all? I feel God's love today. I want to say this, and then I'm going to read this last scripture. I know it's kind of been funny and stuff today, but on the serious note, if he's not correcting you, that's a scary place to be. When I I read one of the scariest parts of the Bible is Matthew 1, because there were hundreds of years before that that God never spoke. He didn't correct them. He didn't bring judgment on them. He left them alone. Oh, God, don't leave us alone. When David Wilkerson died, probably, I guess it's been 10 years now, and I don't see the next prophet rising up on the scene in America. And you say, well, I don't really know about all that stuff. Well, then you need to cut out your Bible because there's apostles and prophets. I know we don't like the word apostle, but it's right there in the scriptures. He don't like to say it, but he's an apostle. He's like, I'm not an apostle. How can he not be? He goes to places. He raises up leadership. He raises up a church, and he goes to the next one. That's apostolic. That's all that means. Now, some of these people twist these words and make people scared of it. Don't be scared of those words. They're in the Bible. But there's prophets still. There were prophetesses. I think it was Stephen had seven daughters. It might be wrong. I haven't read that in a while, but... He had seven daughters. What does it mean to prophesy? Declare the word of God so people can hear it. That's all it means. It don't mean anything weird. People make it weird. But what, I, what scares me is, is when David Wilkerson passed away, I don't see right now on the horizon of America the next prophet. I don't see somebody that warns of upcoming judgment and sin. I don't see that voice out there. I see good pastors that love the sheep and that take care. But I don't see that that prophetic voice. And that scares me that God might just look at America and say, you want it? Have it. Well, he would never do that. I don't know if you've ever read your Bible then. Oh, God, give us the prophetic. David Wilkerson, they laughed at him in the 70s. He got up and said, the Twin Towers are going to fall. God said he's going to bring his judgment on America. And the Twin Towers are going to fall. Go read it. It's called The Vision. And they laughed at him. Until the towers fell. Wasn't funny then. You say, well, I'm not into all that stuff. Listen, you've probably seen all that stuff done wrong. When it's flowing right, it's life-changing. I'm telling you. But so when I'm, when I'm preaching today, I'm talking to everybody in this room and myself, number one. You can sit on a pew at a great church and hear great words of God and you can become so dull that you can't tell me the last time God corrected you. Well, I just want him to leave me alone, have a good life. No, we don't say it that way, right? I've got, I know somebody that God kept dealing with them about forgiving and they wouldn't do it. And they can probably tell you all the details better than I can. And God finally said, okay. 
and he pulled his presence from them. They couldn't feel him and they couldn't hear his voice for a long time. Now these are, I'm not trying to scare you. But when his presence came back, they were ready to forgive. If we're not careful, we'll get in this mindset. Look, it's about to be Christmas. We're about to become such greedy people. And I'm not one of those people, however you raise your kids fine. I, I believed in Santa Claus until I was like 13 or something. It was weird. And I had no problem distinguishing between Jesus and a red guy in a hood, okay? I'm not one of those people. that The people in the world are like, those people in church are just so weird. No, it's okay to be normal. And if you don't want to believe in Santa Claus, great, good. I'm stand with you. But it didn't warp me at all. I actually got an Easter basket full of candy. I didn't believe in bunnies. I believed in Jesus rose from the dead as I ate my chocolate. It's just good common sense. You know, so whatever you want to do, do. But I'm not trying to make us so, so weird that we're scared of everything. We're, we're called into freedom. Amen? He wants to talk to us. I, I'm telling you, some of the greatest things that have ever happened in my life were some of the worst spankings I've ever got from the Lord. They taught me more. They taught me. It wasn't a painful spanking, but it kind of was. You wanted to get out of it. And he's like, hey, you got yourself into this. Remember, remember when I told you don't do that? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to get you out of it. But it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to remind you. You're going to have to grow. You have to remember my voice. That when I tell you no, it's serious. When I tell you to pray, I mean it. When you feel that thing to go to your prayer closet, I mean pray. I don't mean it's an optional thing. I thought I was the Lord of your life. I didn't know the servant got to tell the Lord when he feels like doing it, I'll check it out. Thank you, Jesus. Man, that sounds like a hard life, this Christian life. No, it's a very small way. And there's a broad way that leads to destruction where you do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. And there's a way that if you'll submit to him, you'll have an eternity with him. And it'll be all chill. It'll be all praise. Let me read this last scripture, and I'm going to have an altar call. Second Chronicles 33. It says, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they did not pay attention. So the Lord brought on them the officials of the army of the king of Assyria, they captured Manasseh with hooks. They bound him in bronze chains and they led him to Babylon. And when he was distressed, this is where I want to really focus. He entreated the face of the Lord as God and he greatly humbled himself before the God of his fathers. And he prayed to God and he was moved and responded to his plea and returned him to Jerusalem and his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Now, he's Old Testament and Old Covenant, so he didn't know. Well, we know today. And I want to finish this sermon with hope. This is what I want to finish with. This same Manasseh, five verses up, was making children pass through the fire to the God of Malak. So God kept coming to him. This evil man 
kept coming to him and saying, hey, turn to me, come back to me. And it says they wouldn't even pay him attention. And then the next thing you know, an army comes in and destroys everything he's got, puts him in chains, takes him to prison. And God is so good. Our God is so amazing that when he called out to God and said, it's my fault. I didn't listen to you. I need your help. God restored him back, which is impossible. This was a real army. This was a real life thing. Today, you could be sitting on the pew thinking, I've made the wrong decisions. I'm where I am because of me. And I've messed up bad. Well, you had messed up so bad that you made your children pass through fire. All you have to do today, all of us, is call to him. We sing about the blood. The blood was shed for you. Call to him. God, help me hear. God, help me to hear. God, help us. I don't care what I do in the church. I don't care what. I'm per- we're people. Help us, God. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to speak when you want me to speak. Help me to abstain when you want me to abstain. I just want to hear you again. I tell every teenager that's ever come through this student ministry, if you never hear the Lord Jesus Christ tell you, I love you, then you've missed out. And I'm so sure of his love, I tell them, you start asking, he'll answer you. I love it. They'll get to me before service. I need to talk to you. I know what they're about to tell me. He spoke to them. He actually spoke and said, I love you. They felt the love of God. I think some people that have been sitting on pews a long time might need to go back and catch that part. I can't enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise if I don't even remember why I'm here. Because he loves me. And when I know he loves me, I love people. Let's hear his voice again. If you're sitting here and you've messed up, I don't care. Neither does the Lord. He just wants you to call back to him and say, God, as Manasseh did, I'm sorry. As my buddy did that had the dip in his mouth, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I just want you to be my Lord. I want you back. I want you talking to me. Come on. I'm amazed at God. I am. Sometimes we sing Amazing Grace, and I want to get up so bad and interrupt it every time we sing it and say, Stop. It's amazing. We slap him in the face when we were enemies of his. And he blessed us. It's amazing. Next time you sing it, you better say, it's amazing. Testify of God. Tell this world. I don't care how deep you are in sin. He's got amazing grace. He's a rescuer. You know why I love being around Teen Challenge? A lot of them have sentences, three strikes, you're out. They've messed up three different times. They've got sentences, you'll never see their kids. They'll be in jail for 30-something years. And they get in Teen Challenge and they give their heart to God and they humble themselves and say, it was my decision to do drugs, Lord. It was my decision to do alcohol. Please save my family. Please save me. And I love watching God's hand move on those evil judges' heart and say, oh, we're going to give you a full pardon. We're going to restore you and your family together. That's the God we serve. I love watching our God work. 
If you're here today and this situation seems impossible, I'm telling you, Manasseh was a real man. He was in chains and in bondage, and they don't come out of bondage. They die there in Babylon. All the kings did. And God said, I'll show you. If you'll just call to me, I will do the impossible. If you'll get your ear back to listening to me, I'll restore you. I'll restore your family. I'll restore your dreams. I'll restore hope back to your life. That's the God we serve. You know why I hate sometimes preaching? You can ask Bethany, I hate it. Because I know that people are going to stand in judgment for what God tells me to say. I would rather not say it than them just to hear it and be dull to it. About three weeks ago, I said, has there been a zombie apocalypse And people looked at me like, what? I was like, the faces of the church people at Evangel look like zombies. And it bothered me. I went to the Lord in prayer and I was like, Lord, the sermons don't seem to be working. (laughs) Like, have I heard from you? Like, am I just kind of making this up as I go? I'm pretty sure me and you are connected on this. And my mom came to me. Thank God I'm living with him for a little while. She said, hey, son. It's not you. She basically said, our ears are dull. We know what you're saying is true. We just don't want to respond to it. There's the rub. We, we know what you're saying will work. But, you know, I got my own thing going on over here. That kind of makes messes with my agenda. Listen to him today. Listen to him. Everybody stand. And I don't feel like that today. I feel like you guys are with me 100%. I want you to hear today, but I don't want you just to hear here. I want you to get your hearing back out there. There's a lot of people that you could bless. There's a lot of things. People are bored with God because they don't listen to him, and then they don't see any fruit in their life. Remember when you first got saved? Man, you were excited. You were listening to him. You were telling people. There was fruit. You were leading people to the Lord. We act like leading people to the Lord has become hard nowadays. I'm telling you, the worse they get in sin, the more they're looking for an answer. I'm convinced with all my heart, sin's not the answer. I believe the wages of sin is death. Sin actually is the absence of peace. Sin is actually the absence of the presence of the Lord, which we were made for. Why have we drank the devil's Kool-Aid in church that, oh, that's the fun stuff, and in here, this is paying the price. I wonder what our brothers and sisters in China feel about like, I got to go back to church on Sunday night. Oh, God don't compare. Really? Really? See, you just made that up. What's the Bible on that? Jesus said, oh, Capernaum, the men of Sodom and Gomorrah will rise up against you in judgment. 
They'll tell you if we had the Bible that you had, if we had the living Jesus Christ walking among us, he said Sodom and Gomorrah would be standing today. This is real. I'm not trying to get you here on Sunday night. That's your choice. I gave up on that a long time ago. I want you to want to come to church. I want you to be glad to come to church. Now, if you're doing everything you want to do during the week, church is a burden. But if you're having fruit and conversations with him during the week, you actually want to come to his house. And I lost you right there. Manasseh, all he had to do was say, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't listen. That's all we got to do today. I haven't listened to you, Lord. I can feel God here today. It might not be that he wants to speak to you something you're doing wrong. I'll never forget the last youth camp I was at. I went behind the stage and I felt like such a failure. And there were all these kids being blessed and I just felt like I wasn't pleasing the Lord. And I was like, I, I don't even know why I felt that way. We were having great success. And he spoke to me to turn to my Bible, just flip it. And it flipped to the, the book of Hebrews. And he says, I haven't forgot your works. I haven't forgot the things you've done. I've noticed what you've done. He might just want to speak to you today. You don't know what that meant to me. He was letting me know, I see, I see what you do. I, I see the things that you're doing. I'm proud of you. Only because of Christ. But I needed to hear it in that season. I needed to hear, Lord, you're not mad. You're pleased at me. The devil's good at convincing church people he's mad at them. So your voice today might be, he might say, well, you can't, you don't attend church all the time. You don't do this. You don't do that. And God might just show up and say, I love you. Get that voice silenced. I'm with you. There's something that's crazy that happens to me every time I'm in the altar. And you, you're probably going to think I'm nuts. Not every time, but times when I know God's about to do something special, I'll be standing right down there. And he'll speak to me and say, I'm with you. And as soon as I hear it, I know I need to go lay hands on whoever he delivered because it's him. I hear that voice. And as soon as I hear that voice, as soon as he tells me he's with me, I know he's with me, but I know what it means. It means that when I put my hands on somebody, he's putting his hands on them. That he's walking with me. He's, he's going to restore. I love it. He wants to talk to us. Some of you feel like God's mad at you. He wants to tell you he went to the cross and all the anger went to the cross. Amen.